All right, legends, welcome back to yet another episode of Get Around Me, special guest episode with darling boy, Freddie McManus. Mate. What's doing, brother? Mate, I'm, I'm doing very well. Uh, I realize I've stumbled on the way in because you said you just need 20 seconds of silence to get the audio right. And apropos of nothing, I just held my breath for that 20 seconds. So I'm gassed out right now. Yeah, I've got was, nothing to offer. Mate, honestly, it did make me quite uncomfortable. <laughs> my face is kind of like purple in front of you. So a bit of behind the music here off the rip. <laughs> You've got to get 20 seconds of silence to do the stupid editing thing. Anyway, I go, Freddie, we just need to get 20 seconds of silence. This weirdo starts holding his breath. <laughs> Going fucking purple in front of me. I'm breaking that Tom Cruise record for whatever Mission Impossible movie where he held it for like six minutes. Mate, it's not exactly a vibe when you almost black out before <laughs> we hit record. <laughs> mate, good to be here though. And the new pad as well, the new studio, sorry. Mate, it's a beautiful pad. I was just thinking, mate, lucky you did that no breathing thing on my podcast. Because right. <laughs> yeah. we're boys. How funny would it be? If you got... Because, Fred, mate, Freddie's blowing up. Freddie's getting awards. Freddie's doing it all. Imagine you get booked on the Inspired Unemployed pod. <laughs> and they go... They're hey, dragging Fre- me out by my ankle. Yeah. That, number one Spotify podcast in the country. They go, Freddie, we're just going to get 20 seconds of silence. <laughs> and you're just going purple in, like, the mint Spotify studio. They're like, what's going on with this guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, oh so, mate, honestly, you're amongst friends here, mate. Thank you, mate. I really appreciate that. <laughs> mate, honestly, if you have any questions or anything's making you uh, just uncomfortable, you can just bloody ask. Okay, I got you. Any- anyway. But good to see you, mate. Mate, absolute pleasure, as always. We- we're fellow soldiers in the trenches. We went to Melbourne Comedy Festival together. We did. We lived year. together for two weeks. Mate, yeah. <laughs> Which sort of went off without a hitch, I would say. I would say in terms of our dynamic, it was it was golden. I think it's because we had enough things that were falling apart around us where that could be where our... Negative attention was directed, like never at each other, you know? Yeah, well, the festival, it is quite stressful. So, like, you don't really have the time or the energy to get angry at someone else. Right. Because you gotta, you got to deal with the man in the mirror. Right. <laughs> it's very hard to get angry at Freddie for not cleaning his dishes when I'm screaming at myself in a bathroom <laughs> mirror. you got to pep up, Das. <laughs> it's, it's fucking two for one Tuesdays. Rev the engines, Das. Come on. The other thing was we were obviously... We've made a lot of the rookie mistakes, like going into the first time we were out late and like fucking around. I mean, we we couldn't. I mean, honestly, mate, on stage, the festival happened. We did our shows. Right. Let's put that to the side. I think off stage, we could not have, we could not have done worse. Right. As far as like how we handled ourselves, how we operated. Yeah. How we carried ourselves through that festival. Like we will not be invited back. I'm pretty sure. Oh my god! Yeah. They're stopping uh, us at the airport in 2024. I'll tell, right? this, I'll tell you this. I don't think I'll be allowed any more plus ones at the festival club next year. <laughs> <laughs> me just bringing some of my roguish mates, just letting them loose. Yeah, me holding my breath in the queue for like a minute and a half. <laughs> Freddie's going purple while the guy's asking for his ID. <laughs> but dude, you had a great festival, mate. You got nominated for Best Newcomer. I did, mate. Very yeah. prestigious. You sort of... It's all sort of happening for you this year. It's very exciting. Mate... Since you got nominated for Best Newcomer at Melbourne Comedy Festival, you have become such a raging cunt. <laughs> Mate, this is like the eighth time you've tried to book this. I've declined <laughs> the other seven times. I've got, I'm gone, mate, I can't. You go, you got stuff on? I go, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, sometimes I, I, I stay up at night and think, what happened to my friend Freddie? You've be, you, would you say... How, how, would you say it's gone to your head? And do you think do you think you are treating people differently post-nomination? I, I wouldn't say I'm treating people differently in that the people I used to treat with prior, I no longer speak to. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not even a, a question of like behaving differently. They're not in the circle, kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of text messages going unanswered on the Mick Manus phone. <laughs> oh, mate. My phone is never charged. If someone asks... <laughs> Oh, mate, that's unreal. But, mate, yeah, you did get nominated for that award. That was fucking awesome. Um, we we did not live well during the festival. It was horrific. It was horrific. The, the, I, <laughs> sorry, you go. I'll put my hand up for the Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> my hand is up. And, and honestly, mate, I've got history with this because <laughs> I booked the accommodation for me and Joe Antar at the Adelaide Fringe one year. And we shared bunk beds in, like, a literal, like, homeless hostel. And Joe Antar... Shortly after, quit comedy. <laughs> he literally quit stand-up comedy. 
because of the accommodation I booked in 2018. Mate, watching you try and find a corner of the room where you could film an Instagram story to promote your show, it, it took like an hour and a half for you to find a corner of the room where you're like, oh, this is at least vaguely presentable where I can like appear here. I need fantastic lighting for my Instagram stories. Mate, do you remember they would do like ro- like road works, like drilling during like public holidays when no one is working? Like these guys would be like hammer and tongs, tooth and nail. Dude, so we stayed in... We stayed in, like, student accommodation. Yeah, it was weird. I maintain on the Airbnb listing, there was a couch. Basically, okay, I'm just going to I'm just gonna come clean on this whole thing. I'm just going to explain what happened. Do you swear to tell the whole truth? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but the truth. Uh, so, basically, for, I booked the two Airbnbs. And, by the way, yes, I, the first Airbnb was unbelievable. We'll get into that. The second Airbnb... I, I even whined about that, to be fair. The second Airbnb was poor. Yeah. Okay. Within the context of this, did I do a poor job booking the Airbnbs? Yes. But you also did nothing. Right. So, you sort of had to sit there and cop it, knowing that we were in the worst Airbnb ever, but at the same time, you did nothing to remedy the situation. You know the expression, uh, uh, you made your bed, you lie in it? If you get someone else to make your bed for you... <laughs> You'll for you it. to lie in, same rules apply. Like, you just got to kind of cop it. I, I refused. Our first Airbnb, as you, as you mentioned, mate, we each have a bed. I mean, small comforts, but it was actually, you know, we had a beautiful view. Mate, this guy, yeah, you did bitch about the first oh, Airbnb. I did bitch about the first one because the shower head was like loose. It didn't work. Okay. Now, you can use, we could use it manually. We could get around it, but I am carrying on about this. But you knowing what we've got coming up next. Yeah, so Freddie. just like, oh, man, it's all right. <laughs> so Freddie is wearing this pretty sick airbnb for the first three nights and freddie is bitching about it and i'm thinking holy fuck if this guy is complaining about this this cunt has no idea what is coming like we had it was like a 15th floor two bedroom apartment mate you kept bitching about the shower i thought it was a great shower what was wrong like it was a bit hanging off the wall it wasn't like you just sort of fixed it up like the water pressure was great right we each had a fucking sick bedroom not the best view, but we did have a view. Um, you filmed a podcast there. It was I filmed a podcast there. You looked like Andrew Tate, like with the yeah. cityscape behind you. Yeah, I had beautiful Melbourne over my shoulder. You know, 25th floor. I'm talking about men's rights, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's a vibe. <laughs> I'm trying to work the shower in the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fre- Freddie's testing the water pressure with something he bought at Bunnings. <laughs> but like, that was actually a great Airbnb. I will say it was quite a hectic two weeks we were in Melbourne because first week... Formula One. Right. Mate, what are your thoughts on the Formula One? Because I will say that, look, I understand it's a sport. For me personally, if there's no ball, it's not a sport. Right. I understand that people fucking froth on this shit. I understand people love WWE as well. It's not personally for me. I will say, whether you, like, I understand people love Formula One, cool. It's a good sport. Enjoy it. The way some of these blokes were carrying themselves around their city in head-to-toe Ferrari tracksuits. It's the head-to-toe tracksuits. Mate, bro. honestly, like, have some pride. The, the <laughs> like, shit, mate. I'm seeing 43-year-olds in head-to-toe Ferrari. You look like you're six years old, cunt. Right. The The crazy thing is, like, so say you're in town for a sporting event. Like, even, like, the Olympics. Like, the, the biggest spectacle on the planet Earth. When you're in the stadium, you are a spectator watching the Olympics. The second you leave, you're just, like, a human being, like, in the city. You're like dressed as just a normal civilian. Yeah. The F1, they're about that life. Like from the minute they step off the train platform, head to toe, like they're in the pit crew, dude. It's and the crazy. stands are at the train station, so they have like a Mercedes stand, that Ferrari was the stand, thing. and they're literally like rinsing these cunts for everything they're worth. Oh my like god, $140 cap. Oh my god, that you're so right, dude. A shirt was like $250, and you're like, oh, who would buy this? There's and a that's line. For like the team, the teams that like aren't even making the the podium, dude. It's crazy. The guys are walking around going like, yeah, I'm a McLaren guy. You drive a Mazda Metro, brother. Right. Like, I'm pretty sure Mazda have a team now. Yeah. <laughs> they suck. <laughs> Dude, I could not believe how much blokes were frothing this stuff. It was the most expensive merch I've ever seen, and it was like selling out. Mate, uh, my first night there, our mutual friend, Eloise, we went to dinner at like this spot in Melbourne afterwards, and we were like queuing to get in. It's one of those places like once you're in, they get you in and out real quick, so you can queue and you're still going to be like sat down pretty quick. Yep. Guys, either side of us are wearing all F1 stuff. And Eloise like, likes to do this running bit where she acts like 
I'm so hot. Like someone will just pay for me to go to the F1. Like week off. These guys have been booking it like months, years in advance. She's just like, I'll just ask nicely and I'll, I'll get the same spot you've got. I'll be sat next to you by the end of this week. So she shows up. She's like, oh, you guys going to the F1? Mate, I'm going with you. I'm going to get a ticket. I'll do it. And this guy laughs on the face and went, there's no chance. We've had this book. You have to book like months in advance. And she goes, no, you have to book months in advance. Dude, and dude I'm pretty sure she got an invite. Like, but I think she did go to the F1. Yeah. yeah. That's hilarious, dude. Or even if she didn't, she carried herself like she did. And that's really all that matters. Yeah. I'm honestly going to have a mad dig right now. Our F1's fans, like the, the geekiest sports fans. I think because so, even the the guys like in the mix, even the guys doing it are kind of they have to be locked in to like they're not enjoying like a social life if they're about it. If you've watched that documentary, it's like they're catching tennis balls to work on the reflexes. Like that's yeah. The I mean, the doco I think converted heaps of people. I think the right. doco made it massive. Made our mutual friend RJ the 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 king of punting himself. That doco like changed him for life. I'm pretty sure he got yeah, in. He off walks the doco. into rooms like this. <laughs> he went last year. <laughs> But yeah, dude, F1, I don't even know. But we were F1 one weekend and then Easter the next weekend. Right. We had the duality of first weekend, Pat Doherty came to town. And I just had Pat on the podcast. He's under this illusion that I told him, come down, you can open like three of my shows. Mate, you were there. I've never, we got kicked out. We weren't kicked out, but our Airbnb, the first one ended. Right. I'm on the street with a coffee. You're doing an interview with like fucking pedestrian TV on the phone. (laughs) Like at a, at a bus, bus stop. stop. Yeah. <laughs> at a bus stop with your luggage being like, yeah, yeah. So my show, like this is kind of what it's about. And then Pat calls me and he goes, "What? what's happening, mate? And I go, we're in Melbourne. He goes, yeah, yeah me too. Where's the Airbnb? He goes, pumped to open for you tonight. And I was like, what? We weren't expecting him. Absolutely not. <laughs> yes. And, and we speak to him often. Yeah. I, he never said he was coming down. It's like he didn't even say when we were leaving, like he didn't even say like, See you in a couple of days. Yeah, he didn't say anything. He was like, have fun in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> like, absolutely insane. And then um, we, we were talking about how, like, explain the carry-on from Pat Doherty after his one unpaid five-minute late-night spot. He was walking around the artist bar like he just won best best show at Edinburgh. He was... So, <laughs> we were joking, like, we'd go to the artist bar like, afterwards and be like, mate... We're going to grease some palms tonight. We're going to make some connections. Networking. Networking to within an inch of our lives. Pat did, I would say, five minutes total performance on a stage, if that, uh, at the festival. And no, we've... five. And Huey, made, like, I was, Huey was like, we can't fit him. And I was like, I'll light him at four. I'll make sure he gets off. Right. Like, he wasn't even supposed to be off. <laughs> and then he's walking around, like, getting people to make, like, a ton, one of those, like, tunnels. As he's walking in, like high five and yeah. left and right, he it was op- egregious. It he, was- he opens his set by saying, "I want to suck your toes to this <laughs> chick in the front row," and it's killing. And it was sick because I was supposed to follow Crookshank, right? And then Huey was like, "All right, we'll slide Pat in between you and Crookshank," and I was like, "That sounds just fine." <laughs> Crookshank's like getting applause breaks during his set. Like he got like two applause breaks in his seven minutes. Pat's but, eyeing up the toes in the first yeah, three yeah, rows. Yeah, Pat's like, oh. God, i got to do something wild set, here. Yeah, saddles at the front row. <laughs> Check. <laughs> but then, mate, we get to the second Airbnb. Oof. And this is really where our festival began because the first weekend's pretty fun. You just, I don't know, we're both doing the festival for the same time, uh, for the first time. And um, you sort of roll through the first weekend. Everyone's, you know, fresh. Everyone's very energetic. Right. And then you get into the grind of the festival a little bit. And I'm pretty sure comedians would listen to this and be like, this guy's a fucking loser because we only did a half run. I honestly don't know how people do 22 shows. Like, God bless you. Like, I wish you the best. We hugged at the airport like yeah. when it ended. It was Dude, that much of like an ordeal. Honestly, like by the end of that thing, had to go. Had to go. So God bless anyone who does 22 shows. But then we go to the second Airbnb and it's like a student accommodation thing. And I maintain there was a couch in the thing. So I thought there's a double bed and a couch. We'll swap. There was no couch and concrete floors. Oh my God. And it was like a loft thing. There was no lounge room. There was no telly. You had to use a card on the door and it would make this. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> right. But it would make that like, regardless of what time of day or night, uh, it's it was... like the loudest fanfare when you enter the room. 
So, and then fucking Rowan comes down, so there's three of us. Like, two of us on the floor, one in the bed. At least he advertised his appearance. We knew Rowan was coming. Yeah, Rowan did have the courtesy of messaging us before coming to stay with us for three nights, which was good of him. And, and even if he hadn't, he wouldn't have carried on like Pat, so I still would have been okay with it. Yeah. Um, so, that was good. So, yeah, we had the duality of, of Pat one weekend, just a ball of chaos. He was right. He came on Friday and was supposed to leave Saturday at midday. And I go, why Why are you only here for one night? And he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll change my flight. And then... Mate, he was on the horn with his travel agent for like four hours <laughs> in the afternoon. flight center like it's 1993. You know the mannequin at the front of the flight center? It's like, that's Pat's travel agent. Yeah. <laughs> the inanimate object with the fucking pilot's hat. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, literally. And then like Sunday morning, we have the biggest night Saturday night with Pat. Sunday morning, I go, did you change your flight? He's like, no, nah, I just didn't get it. He goes, I'll just book a new one. And then he flew home. Mate, the flight crew, much like us, were like, Pat, can you please advertise when you're going to be here and when you're not? Yeah, like, it was like, he was like, yeah, I'm flying back tomorrow at 11am. I go, why are you doing that? And he's like, I don't know. And I was like, you should change that. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Pat Doherty, though. He's a man of the world. Um, But then, yeah, and then Rowan came to town and that was a different vibe because Pat was sort of there to, you know, network a little bit, do a couple of spots, hang out. Participate in the festival. Rowan was sort of like an agent of chaos. Right. He like just sort of like he was like, oh, I'm not really keen to do any spots. He was turning down spots. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious to come to the Melbourne Comedy Festival and people are like, you want to do some comedy? And Rowan's like, what? <laughs> he goes, under no circumstances. <laughs> Rowan's like, what the fuck made you think I would want to do that? <laughs> you're, you're like, so funny, dude. And, um, and like, yeah, he immediately like had like drug connects in like Melbourne. He's like, I got to meet this guy in St Kilda at eleven. I was like, okay, <laughs> like, <laughs> very bizarre. But um, but that was good. It was good having him. Yeah. So two different energies, and like, yeah, our Airbnb was just so shit, mate. Like, um, yeah, like so in the student accommodation, there were all these apartments. They were like renovating three of the apartments next to us, and like it was Easter fucking Sunday, mate, at ten a.m. Cunts are on the fucking recipro and shit like it was and our window wouldn't close so yeah, our, like window, our window couldn't physically close and like a meter away in another open window was a guy on like a drop saw mate and, and do you know what he was shredding our flyers that yeah. was it. he wasn't even working on the property i'll say yeah. this flyers are dead oh mate to all comedians i still have some in a backpack of mine like like 30 with like dates and times that are no longer relevant dude fucking remember um i brought dorso and mitch to the artist bar dorso starts handing my flyers to like comedians who have like netflix specials i'm like <laughs> i'm like please stop flyering this is the artist bar like he's sliding it down bill burr's shirt collar like yeah. <laughs> mate if you have the time I check it out i don't know any of the industry comedians like it's my first time at the festival please do not flyer for me at the comedians bar <laughs> this is the worst first impression of all time he's like trying to hand fucking deanne smith a fucking flyer he's like you should come check out billy i'm like please stop please stop doing that <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! But um, yeah, I was gonna say something. Oh yeah, there was three. There was three of us there, and um, I mean the Airbnb was so shit. We did end up just getting on the piss pretty much every night. Yeah, you didn't want to go home. Like it was like it's one of those. Sorts of, oh, we'll finish this and then we'll go back. And then you remembered what was back there, and you're like, I don't know, man. And also, you just got nothing on the next day, and you just sort of, I don't know. It did get quite out of hand. I couldn't feel my legs on my last two shows. I got like vertigo from drinking too much. I had to hold on to the mic stand like the whole time. You said that. That's. I asked Rowan. I was like, I think I need to do this show sitting down, because like, we're just God. on the piss. That's every like when night, Billy like... Billy Connolly got Parkinson's. He's like, I still want to get up, and everyone's like, Really, Billy? Yeah. Well, we're just on the piss for like eleven nights in a row. <laughs> I don't know, mate, but I could stand up straight for an hour. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> it, it 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 only ha- it only happened at two of the shows, but I just went on stage and was like, Oh fuck, I feel like I'm gonna fall over. Dude, but I was so still, funny. mate, still mentally ripping though. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Rock and roll, babe. <laughs> Man, I see you wobbling on the chair here during this record. I don't think you've ever recovered. Yeah, I know. But um, but no, it was great. I mean, all's, all's well that ends well, really. Like, we had a great time. We'll be back. Ne- Are you going back next year? Yeah, I'll be going back. We'll next. be going back. And here's the thing. We learned the crucial lesson that the money you would spend on the piss on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, right? Back off that, put it into the Airbnb. Wow, mate. Wow. Next year, we, we're going to live like kings. Mate, a single tear is rolling down my cheek. Just seeing the growth in this man. Also, again, again, would love to see you book anything, mate. <laughs> mate, I just I want to watch you cook. You know what I mean? Like, 
I want to see what the kid has. Like you, you now have to. Re- the story now is a redemption arc <laughs> for you. Like, what's the point of me? Also, we booked it like a week before F one and Easter weekend, so that's why. I like, mean, uh, mate, this year, like December, we're booking for April, beautiful. and we're booking a beautiful pad, mate. I mean, you can say we all you want, but uh, it's going to be me. I don't have the app, mate. mate. I simply don't have the app. Mate, our Airbnb, it's going to have a soda stream. Oh, We're going to wow. be drinking herbal teas. <laughs> we'll, wait, let's pick a drama show. We'll watch it together. Yeah, okay. I'll get you into McLeod's Daughters when we're there next mate, year. Mate, I'm actually all about that for sure. Mate, McLeod's Daughters, beautiful. I'll meet another beautiful pommy woman. <laughs> we'll go around again, mate. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, great times, mate. Did you have any other observations from our time at the festival? Mate, I've, I'll be honest, I've i have shot a lot of it out now. What are some highlights? I'm trying to think of some yarns on the fly here. Well, so you have to bear in mind, this is pre-nomination. So it's kind of like a BC, AD kind of deal. Where, like, I don't remember anything before my newfound success. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. It's like, I forget. If, if someone asked me to, like, draw your face on, like, a piece of paper, I'm looking at it now. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I will say, mate, the other day I was at Central Station. You did walk straight past me. And I said... <laughs> and, and my glasses were on. Yeah. That's often the excuse. No AirPods in. I say, hey, Freddie, how are you going? <laughs> I was basically screamed it in your ear. But easy come, easy go, mate. But uh, what, what's on the uh, what's on the horizon for you, mate? Are you going to write a new hour? or Oh, I was going to actually ask you this. So, Freddie Shaw, I don't want to give it away. Oh, quick plug. Melbourne, Encore, August 4. Are you Same feel- Airbnb. <laughs> I've booked it for the one night. Hilarious. <laughs> um, are you filming this one? Yeah. I'll get it He's filming it, Melbourne, August 4 at the... Motley Bauhaus. It's in Carlton, which is where we were. Oh, love Carlton. Mate, fantastic. I actually have a quick one about Bill. We show up, we show up to like a couple of local pubs near our Airbnb and Bill's just walking around and we order our beers and he goes, mate, it's actually wild here. Like They got the Carlton Draft on tap everywhere here, like the proper kegs. They've got it all working here. It's like they kind of build the place around that beer. I love it. I go, mate, where are we? He goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> mate, honestly, <laughs> you take fuck- a man whose favorite beer is Carlton Draft and you put him in Carlton, he's going to be smiling. Like he's not going to fully understand why, but it'll- dude, my venue, my venue that I played, literally has a massive Carlton sign on top of the roof. <laughs> That's why you were wobbling back and forth dude, on stage. You were like, "Mate, the belly of the beast. This is unreal." Dude, horses for courses. You know what I mean? Like, I was exactly where I was supposed to be. That's it. That's like when a like an athlete gets like late in their career when they don't really have it anymore. They get traded to like their home city, and they're like, "It's a homecoming." When really it's like you're washed, and we're just going to sort of put you out to pasture where you at least have family. Yeah, well, mate, <laughs> however, however you want to frame the narrative, I was having a bloody good time. And uh, yeah, beautiful Carlton's available there. But I'm trying to think of some other, um, some highlights at all, mate. We're just sort of on the piss quite a bit at the artist bar. Um, did we do anything of note? Mate, we got the, the, the Billy Darcy Irish two-step on the dance floor. My God. Yeah, it, I, I will say I spent a lot of time on the dance floor, which, as we know, is one of my big weaknesses. I was going to say, like, there have been many crazes, obviously, with the, the emergence of the, the talk, the TikTok. A lot of dance crazes going about. The Irish two-step from Billy Darcy, like, it was a bit of a sleeper at the start. I would go as far as to say people were actively making fun of you. Like, night oh. one, night two. Oh, wow, okay. There, there was some pointing and, like, <laughs> oh my God. and some guffawing. Guffawing. Dude, it was a better advert than any flyer Dorso was handed out that night. Yeah. You go, I want to see that for now. Well, you want to talk about a man who can dance. Dorso, was he got a dance battle with, like... Like, I think it was like one of Beyonce's backups like, for it was, several it was, years. It was some famous sketch chick or something. He was like, um, and then him and Eloise had a dance battle as well. Meanwhile, I'm just Irish two-step off to the side. By the end, people were like doing it behind you. Like it, it was unbelievable. That, it became iconic, you know. It's I'm like that guy that um that swimmer from Africa who like barely made the distance. Like by the end, <laughs> by the end, everyone's fucking cheering, mate. You know. <laughs> and it was kind of one of those. I, I remember you just blind shouting, "It works with every song," <laughs> and everyone going like, "Is he wrong?" Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> mate, it was absolutely hilarious. Um, yeah, the artist bar was sick. Uh, it was cool upstairs. You could watch the comedy from upstairs, like through the glass. It was like a viewing area. Right. Did you meet any famous people at the um, artist bar, mate? Because Rowan was actively looking to burn bridges with some of the most famous comedians. I think he had that, like, when you sort of, he kind of had the element of playing with house money where he, like, he doesn't have a show on. He's kind of a drifter within the festival. So you can go up to like a marquee name who's playing the main comedy theatre and go, I think, and so does everyone here, that you are a hack. And then just walk away. <laughs> like, he kept calling famous guys Mr. Showbiz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's like, well, 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 look who it is, Mr. Show. And the worst part is that he'd like, like, give him the finger and go, Billy Darcy, by the way, nice to meet you. <laughs> dude, I was so. He's putting it all on you. Dude, I was so hammered there one time and I turn around and he's giving Tony Armstrong a bra boys handshake. <laughs> he's like, brother, that's the strongest handshake on the East Coast. Dude, <laughs> So good, dude. But yeah, great times, great times. Um, so check out that Melbourne show. Bup, bup, bup. Oh, mate, we should probably talk a bit about the cricket. Oh, God. Yeah. Obviously. So I will come clean and say we're recording this after the third test. Yep. Obviously, I'm going on holiday for a bit. So a bit of a holiday guest series. So we're, we're talking about after the third test. But, mate, give me some thoughts and feelings on the, on the series so far. You're a big cricket fan. Yeah. And you're a, a filthy, disgusting pom. Thank you, mate. I really appreciate you saying that. Mate, uh, great mate, I think you. it's actually done wonders for our friendship to have a little bit of a knife edge in there where it's like there's a little bit of a niggle to the back and forth. Now, we're not playing on the same team anymore. I know, I honestly, it's kind of what we need. To be honest, mate, I do think our friendship has survived on the fact that we went up 2-0. Right. I think if we go down 2-0, I think you've seen a lot of text messages. I'm, I'm not in not front of this microphone today. I yeah. Oh, massively. Yeah. Mate, if we go down 2-0, there's no way, like, probably haven't seen you in three weeks, to be honest. And I was, I I think I've just watched enough Muhammad Ali documentaries to be like, I understand the rope dope It's like, I've been getting it from all corners. When we went 2-0 down. Yeah. Like, and I was feeling, like, it is, Ashes cricket is still the only thing, like, I watch a lot of sport, but it's still the only thing where, like, if we lose, it ruins my day. Mate, it's brutal. and Especially when it happens overnight. It's like when you know, maybe you're feeling hopeful about a day, like you're watching them out of it up until like midnight, you fall asleep and it's like, especially with this England team, they've thrown it away in like 45 minutes. They're like 190 for one and then all out for like mate, 267. You're mate, like, you've got to be kidding. It's absolutely crazy. Like the amount of times over the last three weeks, I've gone to bed at 1am going like, okay, everything's fine. Right. I leave the room like everything stay where you are. Right. We're in control. Everything's fine. Dude, I went to bed. I watched the whole of Australia's first innings of the third test. I watched us lose the wickets. I watched Michael Wood bowl wheels. I watched Mitch Marsh get 100 off 100 rocks. Yeah. He's 110 not out. Travis Head's 40 not out. It's 1 a.m. I'm wrecked. I go, okay. We're looking okay here. I honestly think we were bowled out before I got to my bedroom door. Right. Like, we lost six for 20 after I went to bed. Like waking up to this shit is just stressful. It's unbelievable. And and to be honest, like I've learned now, like especially with this old basketball thing that people are carrying on about, like I feel like the real learning curve is through people who like watch the England cricket team. Like we're the ones who've had to learn how to watch this shit. Because I realized like in the first two tests, I'm just at, like having a borderline panic attack the whole time. And you have to like learn how to watch it. Where you got like you got to learn how to enjoy when and it's going well. You got to be really without thinking about oh this could. This could fall apart any second now. You've got, You've got to, be... to at least enjoy when Zach Crawley's getting to 40, yeah. even if you know he's going to get out at 41. Dude, like you've I'll... got to learn to enjoy the dude, shots. Dude. Otherwise, you'll just you torture yourself. Like My housemates have watched me watching it and be like, it doesn't look like you enjoy this. <laughs> like, and, and England are not even... That's not even when England fall apart. It's just yeah. like, oh, they play a rash shot, like Duckett refuses to leave a ball. I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Follow the surname, brother. If they dude, pull short. Dude, it's so... It's Duckett, kid. I know, I know. I was... Yeah, I was... I said on, on one of the recap pods, I was like... The second test, I go, this test would have been ridiculously different if even one player on either team had ever learned how to duck. Right. Like, they're just bowling these bounces on this slow deck. Everyone's like, well, I see no uh, other option but to hook upwards. Right. Like, I don't even know. But, dude, Zach Crawley's the funniest because as soon as I saw Zach Crawley in Australia, I just go, rich kid, bowling machine, king. (laughs) Immediately. And do and and I and I stayed with that for two years, and like you just know he goes to training and just goes bowling machine half volleys outside off. <laughs> yeah. He melts cover drives for forty five minutes. Goes cheers lads, see you on the weekend. And they're like, mate, you reckon you'll work on any of your weaknesses? He's like, why would I do that, mate? And then he comes out and he's just melting cover drives on the up. And um, and I, it's it's playing the exact same shot. So if you watch his Zach Crawley innings, you'll get to see some of the most beautiful cricket strokes you'll ever see. You'll also see that the one he plays the most in his innings. You know that's the one he's going to get out to. Like yeah. I don't know how like niche sports bet gets with what you can bet on, but if Zach Crawley has hit six fours in an innings and four of them are through point, I will put money on him getting out to point. Yeah, a hundred percent straight to point. Because I'm Dude, like, he likes it. He's got a feeling about it. 
exactly the bowling machine ethic where he thinks that's where the ball is going to be. Yeah, I, I, mate, he honestly cracks me up so much because I've just played with I've played with so many guys that just froth the bowling machine too much. And they just look unbelievable for 30. And it's just like the funniest thing ever. But like Zach Crawley, I Googled him and his dad's like a multi-millionaire. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, I just... I so he it. plays for... My mum lives in Kent at the moment. And like, obviously, Crawley's like a... He's a big Kent guy. He's a big Kent guy. And so mum's watched him for like years. And is even then like across this, like my, my 60-year-old mother is like... Yeah. Even it's like, even- Zach, <laughs> it's overcast. Get outside. She's like tweeting him directly. Yeah, your your mum's like, get off the bowling machine. <laughs> she's like, she's like, cunt, I'll bowl at you. <laughs> like, face a real bowler. But dude, I'm like Zach Crawley. I'm sorry, you just kept like, you cannot be an opening batsman whose go-to shot is cover drive on the up against the best <laughs> fast bowler in the world. Dude, you got Pat, Pat Cummins at the top of his run. What's your, what's your plan to Pat Cummins? Well, if he if he hits a good length nipping away, I'm gonna cover drive that through. Um, <laughs> Through cover point, it's like what? Are you are you out of your fucking mind? It's what happened, Zach? Why well, I hit three cover drives on the up and then I nicked off? You're kidding. So th- this is the thing. So Stokes, McCallum, all of them. You, we've been talking a lot about. I feel like we've talked almost as much about the way the English players are doing interviews these days as we have been about the actual game. Yeah, where they'll just go in front of the mic, having got to in the Zach Crawley example, like getting to forty and then getting out. And they'll answer a pretty testy question from an English media member. Or they'll go, mate, do you feel like it's irresponsible to continue to get out in this manner? He'll go, I have no regrets. I have done it before. I will do it again. And then walks away from the microphone. <laughs> I really, the only way Zach Crawley shows restraint is when there's like a tough line of questioning coming his way. He'll leave that one. Yeah, He'll let that yeah. one go through to the keeper. Fucking dumb cunt. Dude, <laughs> dude, it- but anyway, it's like... The attitude, like, moving forward, I feel like with Zach Crawley, it's the first time... Brendan McCullum like takes off his shades and goes, "Okay, mate." <laughs> Zach Crawley <laughs> will be is, the end of baseball. I genuinely believe it because it, there's something it, about the way he does it where it's like, "Okay, mate." I, like I'd rather you reverse scoop shot it rather than this like egregious nibble well, the outside. Thing with off. Zach Crawley is like baseball before and after. He's been played the same way. Of course, like, he just plays like like uh. He, <laughs> if there was a one sentence um saying for each player's style. Zach Crawley's would be the rules don't apply to me. Like he's just like goes out there. He's just I'm just gonna hit everything on the up through cover with a brand new ball. And it's like 2025. Zach Crawley will get his 15th 33 in a row, and Brendan McCullum will go. All right, boys, shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> also, the crazy <laughs> this has like, gone far enough. Im- imagine this. So I have people like people I live with, whatever. Don't watch any cricket, and they go. Honestly, I do not understand how the guy who looks the most polished, who plays the best shots is a lot worse than Ben Stokes, who appears to be batting on one leg all of the time. <laughs> like, he's, you were saying, you have this conspiracy going that he's inventing injuries at this point, where, like, he'll go for a run and deliberately, like, twist his ankle, like, on the way through, just to give him a bit of pep in his... It's just a mug-off. Just to he's, give him a bit like, of he's like, rev. He'll hit a six and be like, now my elbow's gone. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, all right, mate. He's playing, you know, like, hangman? Yeah. Where you get a letter wrong and, like, that's an extra draw. On it's like, thing. all right, Stokesy, we get it, mate. You're seeing them pretty well. <laughs> all right? They're fetching that from fucking two postcodes over and he's like yeah i can't even i actually have one arm it's like awesome thanks mate appreciate everything you're doing dude but mate, it's honestly been like the it, mate no joke right this is the best series of cricket i've ever seen in my life yeah and it's probably not close i, w- I would say 2005 is, is still number one i love me. it like what once a decade you guys decide to actually have a crack <laughs> And it's like, we're like, this is the sickest cricket we've ever seen. And then you're like, sweet. We're just going to roll over for another eight years. Right. And then cut to Marnus is 250, not out at the Gabba in two years' time. Oh, of course. And we're like... And I'll be... The worst part is those are the ones... I live here. Those are the ones I have to go to. (laughs) I have to fall asleep while we win the Ashes in England. You know, I've stayed up until 1am. I can do no more. We win the Ashes while I'm fucking out for the count. Meanwhile, I'm wide awake... Bright and early, there with you at the Sydney Cricket Ground to watch us get whitewashed again in this country. Remember when we saw Johnny Bairstow nick off on like the second last ball of the day? I remember you Big shaking my shoulders. Big cover drive. And <laughs> making a noise I've never heard you make before. Where you're just like, it was like a scream, a screech. I don't know. It was an orgasm. I don't know what it was. But you're like holding on to me because I think one, because you were excited. And two, I you hate were John worried, Bairstow. You were worried I would jump as well. You were like holding on to me like pretty tightly. Dude, it was so funny. Like four down, we get a wicket, two balls to go. Johnny Bairstow comes out. I go, <laughs> I go. There's no fucking way. There's no fucking way. Second, like second last ball of the day, big cover drive from Johnny. Nicks off. 
And I was like, you're out of your fucking mind. This is the best thing ever. We were behind the Barmy Army as well. Mate, at least he stayed in his ground. I mean, shit. Yeah, it's so fucking good, hell. dude. Mate, I will say, like, um, this whole Ashes series, like, um, actually, mate, I'll just grab another beer. This podcast is brought to you, as always, by our mates at Manscaped. If you haven't heard already, it is a smooth sack summer. When you're playing in the summer sun, make sure you're scaped from pubes to bum. That's right. This is the summer to keep your balls cool while still looking hot with Manscaped. The leader in below-the-waist grooming are making sure we're all having a ball this summer by giving our pants partners everything they need to stay fresh. So dive headfirst in a smooth sack summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with our code DARCY. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code DARCY. I've been using these products ever since the boys came on board. I take the Lawnmower 4.0 with me everywhere on the road. This thing is accessible, okay? It's like a ramp at a train station. It's accessible. You can use it anywhere you need to. In the shower, on the road, in your home. It's unbelievable. And that comes as part of the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. It has everything you need to prepare that summer bod. They have built the ultimate grooming bundle for your summer grooming experience, starting with, as I mentioned, the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on-off switch, which can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. This thing is bloody waterproof too as well, so beach, lake or shower, uh, this razor has just got your back, lads. Now you have the perfect haircut. Use Manscaped's liquid formulations to keep that freshness even at the hottest summer barbecues. Use the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant to stay cool in the heat. With a soothing aloe vera formula, it's the best in the business for the below the waist freshness. And this clear drying formula will keep looking good while smelling good as well. You even get two free gifts for this bad boy, the Manscaped boxes and the Shed travel bag. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code DARCY at manscaped.com. That is 20% off and free shipping with the code DARCY at manscaped.com. It's smooth sack summer, boys, so get on board or get left behind. All right, mate. So picking back up here, um, I was going to say, so I was actually like, I feel like this Asher series to Australians has really shown us like how wild English media is. My gosh. But like, like I listen to Test Match Special now and like some, and also just interviews generally. Sometimes the interviewers are like pretty rude to the English players. A hundred percent. In a way that Australian journalists never would be. Like um, one of them said, do you think like th- playing those sorts of shots uh, are you ripping off the punter who's paid 150 quid to be here? Basically saying like, do you think you guys are playing so shit that you're ripping off the paying customer? Right. And these are the same paying customers who were blacked out on the last day at Lords, just like hissing like snakes. Yeah, literally <laughs> trying to assault Usman Khawaja. <laughs> right. Do you think you're letting them down? Mate? Yeah. Come on, mate. <laughs> it's against the spirit of the game. Yeah. But what's going on with your media, mate? I mean, it is wild over there. It's always been the The culture the same. is it's toxic. So the fascinating thing, like in the baseball era now, is like the people who've covered the sport a lot are like naturally skeptical of it. It's like the new form of the game. Like they've just seen enough of it being played a certain way that you're going to be skeptical when it doesn't work. And I think the worst thing almost to happen to baseball from a media perspective was it going undefeated for like a year and a half. Like there was no way to sort of temper expectations and realize what it was in reality because they just kept winning. And so it was yeah. always going to come to a head. So the minute they started losing against Australia, it was almost like all the pent-up energy they had around it where they were like, it shouldn't work or it's not sustainable or it's not going to work forever. Yeah. Like all of that energy, then all of a sudden just gets, the second it doesn't work, just gets spewed out like from every angle. And then ironically, it's like the absolute idiots who know nothing about the game, like Piers Morgan, like they're the firmest supporters of baseball where they're like, it can do no wrong. Like these guys, they're shaking things up. Like... They're like Trump in 2016. Like I've heard some wild comparisons as to like what it represents for cricket when it's like realistically. Oh, really? Trump in 2016. Man, he's like, it's like, it's a sea change for the sport. It's like, okay. Dude, that's so funny. Um, Just quick, quick drive by here, mate. What, what is Pierce Morgan? I hate this bloke more than anything. Just a sort of amorphous blob of. Dude, like- he one time talked shit about Mike Hussey. Yeah. 
I, ca- I still can't... Like, sometimes I lie awake at night thinking about it. Mate, when I first moved... Would have been, yeah, around when I f- first moved to, Or when my family first moved what, out What here. show is he on? Like, what is Dude, his... he started... Like, he was Is the, he like a Sky News guy, but England? He, correct. But he started... He was the editor of, like, the Daily Mirror, one of those tabloids in the UK. And that's what got tied up in the whole phone hacking scandal. It's like, while he was editor, there were, like, rumors that when, like kids would go missing or whatever those big news stories he would like tap the phone to the parents and like crazy stuff like unsubstantiated i don't know how uh what circles this podcast rolls in but uh you know i will say allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> i'll repeat it um and then he was like a judge on like britain's got talent like he's got this weird he's like a cockroach he a the cockroach you can like never kill where he's like always pops up somewhere he replaced um larry king on cnn or something like went to america for a bit I, st- I just remember when I first, like 10 years ago, when we in the Mitchell Johnson series, remember when Brett Lee just I love that you had called a go it, at him? I love that you called it the Mitchell Johnson series because everyone knows exactly what you're talking of about. Of course. That was the Mitchell and Johnson series. And one lunchtime session, because you remember he was like, the English he, players are cowards. He bowled to, yeah. The English players are scared of the short ball. I'll show how like a true Englishman holds up against this kind of pace, I will face six balls from Brett Lee in the nets. And I think what he was expecting was, you know, I'm 55, like Brett's going to bowl sort of 130s. By the way. Outside I- off and I'll just sort of swish at it and miss all six. When he showed up and not only uh, have a bunch of fans converged around the net, but the entire Channel Line broadcasting team and the entire Australian team have shown up to watch this. I think then he realized like, oh no, this might be Mate, so I watched this, this segment trap. and this was the segment where he talked shit about Mike Hussey. He said Mike, because Mike Hussey was like, um, I don't know why, but he just said Mike Hussey's like not a good bloke or something. And Brett Lee, dude, Brett On Lee. On Channel 9? Yeah, yeah. He was like, I don't like that Mike Hussey. Yeah, something about him is off. Like, he was just very mild comment that I took extremely personally. And, um, dude, Brett Lee pinned him like twice. And yeah. he, I reckon Brett Lee. He broke was, a rib, yeah. I think, yeah, he broke his rib. I think Brett Lee was honestly bowling about 135, which you we say, oh, he's bowling 130s. Mate, 135. Is fucking rapid. Yeah. To the to the civilian. And dude, he goes, uh, I think Morgan first ball he charged down the weekend. Yeah. And he goes, Viv Richards told me to. I'm like <laughs> Mate, honestly, um it reminds me of when Hugh Jackman faced Shane Warne in a much funner segment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I remember Hugh Jackman ran down the weekend and then swept him next ball. And I was like, I'll tell you why I loved it. I was like, I loved it because Hugh had clearly been thinking about this a lot. That's why like, he's the greatest showman. Like first mate. ball he blocked, then he ran down the wicket, and then next ball he swept. I was like, mate, this bloke is literally like, he's got a plan. Right. <laughs> I was like, this is fucking hilarious. He's been watching tape. Yeah, yeah, it's he, so good. Mate, he, he roomed with Stuart McGill for six months, and they just go out and he's like, show me the wrong and again. Yeah, dude, fuck it, unreal. But dude, England has some fucking average exports, eh? Because you got Pierce Morgan yeah. and then James Corden. Oof. Egregious, mate. Yeah. James Corden. God, I've hated that guy for years. When I heard that restaurant story came out of him just being wildly abusive to a, a staff member for and no got, reason, uh, banned, and he got banned. He got from banned, the yeah, um, because he's one of those guys where you just look at him and go, "I know you're a piece of shit. I know in I know in my chest that you are a piece of shit." Dude, there's a there's a history with James Corden as well. Like in the UK, the thing is like it's really transparent the way he does it, but he like plays different characters like as James Corden the person depending on like what show he's on or like what he's doing so like in the uk like he hosted a bunch of like sports panel shows and stuff and he was like the lads are oi oi here with the lads like living it up he goes to america and all of a sudden he's like a musical theater and uh, like singing yeah. you know singing ariana grande in the car with her it's yeah. like it's it's so obvious what he's doing it's so like appallingly transparent like how much of a fucking phony he is that it just like doesn't sit well with anyone dude i know i love it when you get evidence to back up your wild assumptions like i I've hated James Corden for years, but for really no reason, just vibe. Right. It's a vibe-based hate. And then you get a story where you go, I fucking knew it. <laughs> like this guy, like he's just, the way he simps out for celebs and stuff, I don't, I don't even know, dude. But um, but yeah, what else is happening with the cricket? Any other talking points? Um, I will say, mate, like the whole Basball thing, the fact we went up 2-0, I honestly do believe like if you guys went up 2-0 with Basball and you were just wiping us off the park, like I think things would have got pretty full on because you guys would have carried on to such an extent. It would have been unbearable. Right. Like the baseball hysteria, if you guys went 2-0 up against Australia, would have been out of control. But I feel like the Bears, though, incident like simulated that almost. Of like, yeah. That kind of ruined it. It was becoming a kind of thing where it's, oh, it's an entertaining series. And the way England play, like they're not lo- looking to draw any tests. 
So going 2-0 down does not mean the same thing as if in 2001 we go 2-0 down to Australia and England. I, it's a different it's a different entity. Yeah, I predicted 4-1 or 3-2 Australia I because there will Australia. be no there will be no draws. Well, I, I always like account for like in England there's usually one that's just completely wrecked by rain. Yeah. But I said 3-1 Australia depending on like who wins that first test like as soon as cuz we should have won that first one. Like Lords it was kind of a fan like Stokes made it look a lot closer than it was. But Edgebaston, we probably should have won. Like when there's sixty to go and two wickets to get on that pitch, like realistically, you should be. No, but the the pitch was the reason why you didn't win. Right. Like you guys, I, I don't like our biggest weakness is the swinging ball on green pitches, and we rock up to Edgebaston and it's Mumbai day four. Right. Like crazy, you guys went that that way. Dude, I, I said to you, it was the most eye opening part of it. Is like as as I say, two wickets to get, sixty runs to go, new ball arrives, James Anderson, like best. English cricketer ever. Yeah. Ben Stokes comes up to him and goes, mate, you want it? He goes, no, nah, give it to Ollie. Like he was like, there's nothing I can do. As in, he was going, I don't, I don't he, know what I can do. He bitched about that pitch. He said, if you're yeah. going to keep making those pitches, I'll sit out. And now, mate, this poor guy, they roll him out at fucking 44 or whatever he is on these absolute roads and then take him off for the raging green seamer at uh, Headingley. That's fine. Though. He'll be, he'll be, I think Old Trafford, obviously he's got the end named after him. That's his home ground. Hopefully they'll look after him there, but I think he plays ahead of Robinson, who's been dealing with his back spasms or whatever. Yeah, mate, not to get too. This has already happened, by the way. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, not know. to get too specific, but mate, uh, uh, this is a bit more general. But mate, do you think Ollie Robinson could get in shape? I the <laughs> physically the, the firmest memory I have of being on this podcast is talking about how fat Ollie Robinson was, and that was like a year and a half ago. <laughs> he, mate, honestly, like, just go to the gym even once. Mate, just get a membership. Like yeah, that's all we're asking. Join a fitness honestly, first. Be, just walk past a fitness. Honestly, first. if if I check your if if you're at an airport and you check your your backpack and they're just looking through it, like I just want to see a card that gets you into a gym. Yeah, in just, an area in which you don't live. even go. Just have the thing that beeps you in. A hundred percent. it's it's crazy. Like and the great the only thing he's been running really is his mouth. Like he's it's talking I, crazy. He's got this wisdom deal where he has to write an article after every game. Um, and that was when he came out and said, like, it feels like we've won this one. Like, coming out with all the stuff. The best thing to come out of Ollie Robinson's article is him talking about Mark Wood in the changing room 10 minutes before they walk out. <laughs> Just getting on his hands and knees, barking and going, lads, there's a dog in here, lads. There's a dog in the changing room, lads. Dude, Mark Wood is hilarious. Dude, um, but it's, it's literally two sides of a coin where you have maybe one of the most likable English cricketers, like, going in Mark Wood. And then by far the least likable man ever to put on the England shirt. Well, at least yeah. in this, you know, decade. I mean, Ollie Robinson, yeah, like, I hate him. So. I feel that. Do you know what I mean? But, dude, uh, Mark Wood's so so fun and so fast and so good. I love watching him bowl so much. Um, and they were saying when he was bowling on commentary, this is why, like, when blokes are bowling genuine 150-plus wheels, it's so exciting. They were saying, you can't teach this to anyone. Right. Like, you could get the best, like, you could get the best, like, NFL athlete the best athletes on the planet and have them in the gym. And like, there's just something like you could never get them to a point where they could just bowl 158 right. kilometers an hour. Like it's just, you just have to have it. Especially when you bowl the way he does, where it's a sort of more of a whippy action. Like yeah. see, when Johnson was bowling his fastest, like you see the effort in the action. Yeah. But fuck, Ryan Harris was pretty quick and he he had like the most orthodox bowling action you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but there's something different with like wood because it's through the air. It's like Joffre, and if him and Joffre were playing, you have one guy who's bowling 150, and it's off the pitch, it's bounce, it's spitting, it's ugly, it's horrible, it's hitting you. And then you've got the guy at the other end, he's swinging it. He's yeah. moving it. Dude, I'll Mark say Wood's this, though. Mark Wood's like moving it through the air, and Kawaja like, doesn't even lift the bat, really, and he's bowled, and he yeah. plays pace incredibly well. I think I think that ball was so good to Kawaja, it made his shot look bad. Yeah, no, no, it, it's... Because it's like, it, it, it made him look reckless by how much he missed it by. But I think it was just so quick and it swung and his stumps are everywhere. Mate, all, all I'll say is Zach Crawley would paint a beautiful picture. He'd still get bowled by the fucking thing. Dude, Zach Crawley would, no one looks better getting fucking his stumps absolutely annihilated. <laughs> dude, Michael Vaughan used to look great getting bowled as well. Oh, dude, He used Warney. to look back at his off stump like... It was a mir- like a miracle had taken place. Like, goes, there's no way. And then Jeff Boycott, like a York- the old auctionman, like on commentary, would be like, "There's a gap between bud and bud, lad." <laughs> he'd like be shouting from the commentary box. He'd be like shouting down to the middle, like, "Mate, you don't don't act like this wasn't going to happen." Dude, I love Vaughn. He was so aesthetic. 
But dude, I'll say um, it goes under the radar. Well, not really. I don't know. Everyone talked about it. But Mitch Marsh is 100, right? They, they were like, it's the fastest spell ever by an Englishman in English history or something in a test match. Mitch Marsh hooked him in like in front of midwicket for six. Mate, I would argue that Marsh innings is uh, again up to this point the best innings of the series, like including Root and Steve Smith's hundreds. I think at the state of the what, game, what do you mean best innings of the played... series? It's one of the best things I've ever seen in my fucking life. Right, but in a high like caliber, like obviously Smith's hundred was fantastic. Root's yeah. hundred was brilliant. They were both important. They both won the you know Smith's innings won the game. But like the Marsh innings, when you've not played into the three best players at Headingley had not played test cricket for years, plural. Chris Wokes, Mark Wood, and Mitchell Marsh. It's like, at what at what point do we just not understand the game at all? Where like, you can come in with all the opinions you have of like, what's the best team? Like, who's the best people to select? Like, if you're a selector, you're literally like throwing your pet in the air, being like, I should just close my eyes and just point randomly at names. And I guess they're going to win a test for us. They're going to turn it in our favor. Yeah. Because Mitch Marsh, I mean, like, I, I've heard all the stuff. I feel like every like team has that player where outsiders think like, cause he's always played well against England. So I'm like, oh, I rate Mitchell Marsh pretty highly, but every in Australia is like, nah, not <laughs> we, on that track. We hate him. Right. Yeah. He even because said it, that, it, that clip came out from 2019 oh, where he guy. goes, over, he's like, oh yeah, everyone hates me in Australia. Like, poor guy, poor guy. On, but you know, look at him now, shit. But dude, I'll say, um, with the whole Mark Wood thing, you were talking about Joffre Archer, how Mark Wood's through the air and Joffre Archer's like into the deck. Right. I will say that if you gave me a choice, between facing Wood or Archer, I would face Mark Wood seven days a week. And but but and Wood's going to take more wickets. The thing is, that I don't. I don't give a fuck. I think Joffrey Archer is going to physically harm me way more than Mark Wood is. Because everyone's talking about obviously Archer and Smith. Like, oh, that's the rematch we want to see. It like he's never got Smith out. Realistically, like he's almost killed him. But he's, but I don't. <laughs> he's think not got it, it doesn't seem like we'll ever see Joffrey Archer no. play Test cricket again. No, it's mate, it's such a shame because he's like that, that's just crazy. I still think the best thing I've ever seen in my fucking life is when Steve Smith goes off for concussion because Joffre Archer hit him in the head. And so Manus Labashain comes in as the concussion replacement hmm. and second ball gets fucking chinned. Right. That is just... That's that's just the... Like, and then he gets straight back up. Mm. And Manus, who's in his third test, and no one even knows how to say his fucking name... And he's like, yeah, let's fucking go. Right. Like, you just saw, like, he was so up for it. Mm. Oh, man. That was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, I, I don't think he got 40. But I'm sorry. Like, when he gets straight back up and goes, like, let's fucking have it. Right. Oof. It's like, I mean, yeah, we just watched the UFC card where Dan Hooker gets... It's so funny to, like, win a fight where it's like, you got hurt so much worse than the guy you fought. Dude, I said on my podcast when I was talking about that, I said, I predicted Dan Hooker would get the absolute fuck beaten out of him. Right. And I was technically <laughs> correct. <laughs> it happened. Like, Dan Hooker, it's like, yeah, you won the fight, but like, mate, at what cost, really? Like, mate, that was for him to get from 12 to 11. I'm sorry, but this is just <laughs> heading down a dark place for this man. He's going to be out for like a year now with this injury or whatever. He's going to come back and what, fight like Armin Sarukian and get fucking mauled? No, I think he's uh, going to open for New Zealand when Joffre comes back. <laughs> he's gonna, yeah. Dan Hooker's just going to switch codes and then just get absolutely chinned in, <laughs> in another discipline. But yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, fuck yeah. I love Dan Hooker. Um, he's the man. But mate, we should talk some mixed martial arts. Sort of end this podcast, I suppose. But um, mate, so we just watched 290 the other week, UFC 290. Uh, what were some of your favorite moments from that card? It did it. It actually blows my mind. Like Robert Whitaker is my favorite fighter. I'll oh, you absolutely record. froth on Rob, mate. So I should say, like Freddie. Um, like I've been following the UFC for like three years or whatever. Just Macca got me into it. Freddie actually like froths the UFC. Like knows about it and stuff. <laughs> mate, it's so funny. I was just talking about UFC for like twenty minutes last week. <laughs> like you, you'll probably listen to it and be like, it would make your ears bleed with some of my takes. <laughs> dude, dude, Dorso sent me. Um, I text Dorso be like. Mate, um, can you send me some origin tips? And he goes, mate, the least I can do after you shared your UFC knowledge with me. And he sends me a screenshot back and it's a six-leg multi I sent him where f- the first five legs all lost. Yeah. And and in the other one, you bet on the pound-for-pound pound number one fighter in the world yeah, the, to get it done. The last leg I had Volk outright. It's like, great pick, Bill. Great, mate. You really, wow. What a, what a mastermind. Dude. But it was, it was such a good card that my favorite fighter like, got stopped uh, to set up like maybe one of the uh, darker pre-fight build-ups in the history of the UFC um, with Drikas and Adesanya. And still, I left it being like, that was a great day of fights. It was honestly the best day of fights. I actually said, I don't know where you were sitting on the couch. I said during that Drikas-Izzy thing where they're like talking to each other, 
I was like, this is actually making me really uncomfortable. Dude, 100%. At, at the start, I was into it. And then it was like, and then it was still going like a minute later. And then like three minutes later, I was like, okay, this is getting pretty weird. But you nailed it. You said, for those face-offs, they just should not have access to a microphone. Yeah, they shouldn't speak. Just get him in there. Because when he was just standing and looking at him, you're getting hyped up there. Like, Drew yeah. is doing his post-fight interview. Adesanya is just in the background, just looking at him. And you're like, the look is all you need. There's there's the promo he right looked, there. He looked menacing. And then get him to look at each other. I mean, <laughs> I hate to, you know, use the, the combat sports playbook that's been around for literally decades. But you get the fellas looking at each other with a guy stood in the middle. Dust your hands off, job is done. Like, that's pretty much what they've been doing the whole time. Like, I Dude. don't get this whole thing where it's like, now, Izzy, I know you have no improv background, but I would like you to talk shit whilst nine shots deep. Like, and your adrenaline is like as high as it could possibly be. Now, like, have a go at each other. Go back and forth. Let's yeah. see what we can build here. It's it, like, no, it's always going to end horribly. Izzy was like drunk as well. Dude, 100%. And dude, I love Izzy, but... As is his right, by the way. Like, he's, oh, man. You know, he's not in, not in camp yet. Dude, did you see when, when Volk was finishing Yayu? Like, Izzy's reaction? He's literally like... <laughs> he's literally like climbing over chairs. Like, just... He's like up on a ledge, like screaming, like just completely going nuts. But I mate, actually you can act, You can act like that's crazy, but then I humbly submit as evidence what we were doing in Izzy's living room. We were doing the exact same thing. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> It's like it's like of course you carry on like that, mate. I love the way um, Izzy carries on, like when the city kickboxing boys are fighting. But um, dude, like you could tell as well with Izzy, like he he he's good on the mic. But the problem with Izzy sometimes is he thinks he's good on the mic, right? Do you know what I mean? He feels himself too much sometimes, and then like it's like nine shots of whiskey. <laughs> and he's in there t- just talking so well to Drickus. Dude, but also the do Plessy think like the reason I don't think it should be like a, a factor in Mate, it is i'm sorry you- but i'm sorry but a, a white south african guy telling a guy born in nigeria who's black that he's not a real african it's always going to be weird it's, it's just always, it's, it's just always going to be weird but if you're adesanya i would make fun of like how ridiculous he sounds yeah. rather than making it be like D- you can dna test me like i bleed i bleed nigeria like instead just make fun of the fact that like triggers just goes on the mic and he goes oh you know I, i'm i'm an african father i breathe the african air <laughs> It goes, look at this t-shirt I'm wearing. I actually bought this in Africa. I go into grocery store in Africa. I get my apples there. I eat them. As I'm eating them, I'm breathing in the African air. Like, it's, he sounds insane. Dude, I, I love the... I love the Israel th- was born in Nigeria. What are you talking about? Dude, can you imagine... It's like I live in Australia right now. We just spoke for 45 minutes about how I would die for the English cricket team. And you didn't question it once. Yeah, you you're, go, not mate, re- you're not you a go, real mate, pop. Piers Morgan, he's the, real, he's the real African fighter. He breathes English air. <laughs> like, you're not dude, saying that to dude, me. Dude, imagine if an Aboriginal guy was... Aboriginal guy born in australia then when he's 12 he moves to america and fights out of a las vegas gym and i fight him white guy from city i go this guy's not a real australian can you imagine can you imagine the like what people would say if i did that you go mate you go mate i drink carlton draft in carlton yeah that's that's how australian yeah yeah yeah. it's weird this guy says he's australian he's got a budweiser in his hand he i don't know i don't know you're not a real australian mate i would be like I'd probably be killed. I'd put it this way. I would root for the other guy. I'd be in that guy's corner. And we're like close friends. I love Drickus Duplessy when he's on the MMA hour. He's like, I don't understand why everyone keeps bringing up color. I have not once brought up color. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, it's like, okay, brother, I'm in. If you just want to fucking trash this guy, because I don't know, that's your prerogative or whatever. Don't fucking try and loophole us on this though. Okay. You go, this black guy is not a real African. It's like, well, uh, and then he's like, I don't understand why anyone's bringing up color. It's like, what, what are you, what are you talking about? He goes on, he's like, I never called him a fake African. <laughs> and then Izzy like posted a post-fight interview, Trinka starts where he goes, I'm going to be the real African champion. None of these fake African champions. Like, dude, and, and also, it's so easy to get. Dude, it. also like the thing with this is like on, on the MMA, hour, Ariel's like, we're going to break down the whole beef or whatever, which is cool. Um, and it's like, the, this is how the breakdown starts. Um, they asked Drickus Duplessis in an interview where, on a card where like Izzy's not even fighting. They go like, uh, do you want to one day be UFC champion? He's like, yes, and I'll be the first African because all the current African champs are not real Africans. That, like, and it's like, what? <laughs> and so like, and then Drickus is like, I don't know why, like, why he's being like this. I don't know why Izzy is carrying on. Like, I, I just can't read this bloke. <laughs> like... And it's like, Drickers, mate, what are you talking about? Mate, yeah, it's so it's so funny when he like throws his hands up and acts like there's... I, I remember uh, someone at the card we were watching, uh, 
they said, mate, it'd be great if they did it in Africa. I go, yeah, but if you want to reignite apartheid stronger than ever. Like, the the optics of it happening in Africa and, like, people picking sides. Because we know in South Africa, who's picking which side? It'd dude, be horrific. Dude, yeah. It would, is- like, it would set that country back, like, decades. And, like, I feel like ever since Mandela died, like, ever since that guy at his funeral pretended to know sign language it was like oh this is heading down a dark path like that guy staying alive it feels like it was important for the country dude literally and also i said this previously but drick is just he just looks like a cunt like he, he looks like in do you remember that clint eastwood movie invictus uh yeah about when they won the rugby world cup and it's about like the subplot is the black security guards and the white security guards eventually find like common ground but at the start it's like they're going to fight each other he looks like every single one of those white security guards in that Clint Eastwood movie. He just it's looks like, like thick set, dumb as fuck. Oh my god, he looks confident like he would, beyond belief. He would play the villain in an apartheid film. One hundred percent. Yeah, I, I would just wish like also in in an apartheid film. I feel like there's a lot of villains, and there, there yeah. wouldn't be one villain. But yeah, I, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're like he'd be the one guy who actually wasn't. <laughs> yeah, he'd be in an apartheid film. He'd be the yeah. <laughs> I just wish one podcast host or interviewer would be like hey drinkers mate so with this whole israel's not a real african thing mate vibing it got it (laughs) understand what you're saying can you understand though that it's a bit weird for you to say that (laughs) do you know what i mean like yeah you're right i love what you're saying You've got him for sure. He's not breathing African air. He's he's not going to gyms in Africa. You know. Also, Drinker's also being uh, saying because his nose was broken, he hasn't actually breathed properly for seven years. He's How been- much of that Africa? He probably has breathed more African air than you have because he visited for fifteen minutes. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're breathing through one nostril for seven years. Yeah, and also like, and it's just like, mate, love everything you're doing, but this is pretty weird, eh? Like, just this is a weird thing like, to say. Like, do you feel it? Because I feel it. I like, feel it's strange. Do you also, also feel it? Also, it's so weird because I was a big Drickers fan when he came through the UFC. I lost fucking 20 bucks to Adzi when he fought Darren Till. But, um, dude, I love Drickers. And then, and then, like, now... And I was, like, on the ride of, like, this wild Saffa bloke. He's pretty good on the mic. Um, and he's finishing everyone's stuff. Like, um, it's great stuff. Love it. Um but then, like, it's weird to have, like, your calling card. It's like, who is Drickus Duplessis? It's like, oh, he's that guy um, who said Israel's not a real African. <laughs> it's like, oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the Google search is forever, like, yeah, it's like corrupted now. It's, it, it's game over on the Google search. It's like, do you really want this to be your calling card? Like, Right. It's the weird hill to die on. It's a very weird hill to die on. But also, mate, like, I'm pretty in for the scrap, eh? Like, I just, I, I reckon I would just much rather have Strickland and Izzy here. I but, think it'd be much but, more lighthearted. Okay, okay, great. Yeah, I think it'd be lighthearted when you get the former neo-Nazi like on the mic. Like, I mean, listen I mean, to what you're saying, mate. I've covered this on a previous episode. It's a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare. <laughs> and this is the thing, like, like Robert Whitaker. God forbid, like one of the nicest men in the sport. God forbid he gets a crack at the scrap. I was demoralized. Well, did you hear Volk, um, the mayor of Wollongong, was like, "We're not giving him the keys to the city because, like, the UFC is like a barbaric sport." Oh wow! Yeah. And it's like he's. I think he's like a million years old. This bloke. But it's like the UFC is not a barbaric sport. Like these are martial artists of the highest level. Like this is the decision making second to second is like crazy. Like this is an insane sport and should be like treated as such. Anyway, so we've got neo-Nazi Sean Strickland headlining the Sydney event. Um, he, he, he thinks women are literally like flora and fauna. Like, and it's like... It's like it's like this is just not really the advertisement the sport is looking for. Dude, that's it. Oh <laughs> god, my god. We'll still be there though. Front yeah, row. mate. Honestly, I made him. Oh no, Jack from Magic Mike. You know Jack who? Um, yeah, yeah, I got him. Mate, he showed me, and this like um, I'm not I'm not sure 100 percent of the legitimacy of this, but he was knows someone who works at the UFC, and he said, um, mate, like nosebleeds are like 570 dollars. Dude, unless his mate on the inside is Dana White. I'll hold out hope for I yeah. don't know, dude, a I cushy will, 200 buck event. Dude, I will publicly endorse Trump to sit sort of near the cage. Mate, you've got to get that Patreon going yeah, just yeah. to just fucking... Donny T, 2024. <laughs> <laughs> dude, so, like, like, if you were at a UFC event and Donald Trump came up to you and was like, hey, how you going? You would be like, what's going on, brother? Well, apparently that was what was happening. It was, it was like he was... Because I've been seeing these celebrity things, like he meets Joe Rogan, and it's, it's, it's like they spring him on people. Right, you can see Rogan shaking his hand, being like, "Hey, how you going, man?" And you could you could almost hear Joe Rogan being like, 
I hope no one is filming me right. hamming it up with Donny T. Everyone already thinks I'm a fucking right. wild right-wing psychopath anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like it's Dude, like I- the caption is like Joe Rogan and his best bud Donny T hamming it up. He's doing a Rowan O'Neill bra boys handshake yeah, 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 with, yeah. with the yeah. Don. Yeah. Oh that that I'll pay for I'll pay for Rowan O'Neill's ticket to the UFC of- Sydney on the off chance he tries to give Dana White a bra boy handshake. Strongest handshake on the East Coast, Dana. But um he goes, oh, if it isn't Mr. Hollywood, oh. <laughs> Mr. Showbiz. Mr. Showbiz. <laughs> fuck, that's funny. Oh, fuck. Anyway, mate, um, we should probably just wrap it up, I suppose. Mate, yeah. Did you have any... Th- oh, mate, but could I just get your closing thoughts on the Volk? Mate, this has been quite a specific podcast, I feel like. Oh, look, it's... I feel like, honestly, the first 25 minutes is fun for everyone. And then we went pretty hard into cricket and then pretty hard into UFC. I don't know whose fault that is, but I, I accept... For the first time in this podcast, I accept dual responsibility. Yeah. I mean, I am the host. But at the same time, all you can do is your best. Mate, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? I heard Matty John say that he just prepares for every show and then whatever happens, happens. Wow. So... For the benefit of the listener, Bill is saying that with his feet up on his own bed. I mean, you're, you're, you're giving up on all optics here. Mate, honestly, Hobber and Hing are retiring right now. Give us a call. Wow. Give us a bloody call. Mate, if I could just get your closing thoughts on Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. I he, mean... He, he inspires me to be a better man. He really does. <laughs> do you reckon you'll meet... Do you, I feel like it's tangible enough where there's a chance that we could meet the Volk at some point in our lives. Hey, we'll definitely meet the Volk. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, 100%. I always have scenarios in my head with like people I would love to have a beer with. But, mate, I will say, like I always thought I would meet Shane Warne. I, 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 if you put a gun in my head before he died... And said, do you reckon one day you'll have a beer with Shane Warne? I would have said, absolutely. I just reckon it would have come up somehow. I reckon I could ask you now and you'd still... Oh. <laughs> Part of you thinks it's a hoax. But you're, yeah. you're big into your conspiracies. But yeah, I, I never met Warne. I know, man. Fuck. I did I, I, his signature. I, he signed a hat that I had. Oh, really? In uh, England. And then my mum just lost it. I had all these signatures. I had Tendulkar. I had uh, Warne. I had Callis. I had some crazy Mate, names on like there. this is like the fucking top five wisdom cricketers of the century. Right. So, because when we lived in Kent, like, they would always come when they were doing touring, um, you know, India, South Africa, Australia. Like, if they were touring, they would always come to Kent because it's like a picturesque ground. Like, if you want to get a sense of like a classic English ground, that's what Kent is. And it's also quite small. So, you just wait and like... During the tour games, they'd just be fucking about in the boundary and you could get like signatures. And of course, Warm played for Hampshire. Oh, so that yeah. that was when I got it. Oh, um, nice. Dude, crazy. Yeah. And, and now, sick. again, that would be worth quite a lot of money to me now. I could sell it to you for a fair amount. I think oh, you'd take God. it. Yeah, big time. And yet, here we are. <laughs> Mum's just like, oh, yeah, it was an old hat. I threw it out. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Anyway, mate. Oh, yeah. So just uh, we'll wrap it up here. Um, August 4, Melbourne, Encore. Yes, sir. Tickets via the link in your Instagram bio. That's it. Freddie.mcmanus on Instagram. Uh, filming that bad boy as well. Are you are you doing a couple other shows at the end of the year? Uh, do you want yeah. to do like a keep an eye out plug? Or are you doing an encore in Newcastle? Yeah, I'll be in Newcastle for something uh, this year. Um, Newcastle so yeah. Comedy Club. Oh, yeah. Shout out to the boys. Mate, always. Mate, I fucking... I, ble- I bleed for those boys. Oh, no. Mate, if... if you that- have very little blood left considering how many people you bleed for. Dude, there's so, dude, there's so many people that I would spill blood for on a moment's notice that I'm just re- I'm just always ready to fight. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the Newcastle Comedy Club's a great venue. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Mate. Love those boys. <laughs> there you go. Shut we up. need to give you a second crack more often at things where it's like, okay, if we could just spill less blood and just say that your fans are what they do. Dude, I'm too right or die. Like I, I <laughs> ran into a mate's ex-girlfriend last night and he- Let me he, guess, she was covered in blood by the end. No, no, no. But like I see her and like immediately I'm like battle lines like we like, and she was with this guy. I was like, we got to assault this guy. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm just so like lying in the sand with friends breakups. I'm like, never talk to me again. How could you do this? Like I, t- I take it personally. And then, um, and then he was like so polite to her, and I was like, I was like, dude, he's handling his breakup better than you're handling his breakup. <laughs> and then I was like, oh yeah, it's so good to see you. And I was like, oh, that's right, she's really lovely. Yeah. You're, putting <laughs> the, you're putting the cutlass away. You're like, mate, I was about to spill blood yeah, up yeah. here, I was, mate. This, this is, mate, I'm, I'm the sort of guy like if I rose to power in like 500 BC, like fuck, ships are being launched. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I'm taking ship personally, and I'm acting on it. Mate, Jesus Christ! You make like you make Genghis Khan look like Mister Rogers. Like. Yeah, I'm sort of spir- I'm sort of spiraling a bit at the end of this thing. But mate, August four, Melbourne, Lincoln Bio, Newcastle show coming up, potential Sydney show encore. No, no, not no. for this show. No, so Newcastle and Melbourne coming up. Check it out. Thank you, Freddie, uh, for doing this podcast. Beautiful. <laughs>